Hello and welcome to the WMBC 615 podcast, a broadcast outreach of Whitley Memorial Baptist Church in Nashville, Tennessee. My name is Daniel and I'm hosting on behalf of our pastor, Scott Gillen, and our entire church family here at Whitley. And it is my absolute pleasure and privilege to say welcome. It's really a true joy to have you with us. If this is your first time listening to our podcast, let me extend a very special welcome to you. And also let me make one small request of you. We'll go down to the comments, go to our Facebook page, or just go to our website, send us a message, or send us an email. Let us know how you found us, what you enjoyed, and also any prayer requests you have. We take those very, very seriously here at Whitley and pray for every single one of them. So before we get started today, let me encourage you to have your Bible out if you can. Here at Whitley, we believe that there is no better way to learn about the Word of God than to have the Word of God open and in front of you and to read it for yourself. But if you aren't where you can have your Bible out, that's okay. For example, if you're in the car, you can just sit back, relax, enjoy the drive, and listen along with Brother Scott as he brings us verse by verse with him through the Word of God, through his message, so you can hear it for yourself. Today's message is titled, One Man, and we are talking about Paul. Here at our church, we are looking to revamp our outreach in our community and also our personal impact on those around us. So let's head on over to Brother Scott and learn how we can do just that. Your Bible, take your Bible and turn to Acts chapter 17. If you would please, Acts chapter 17. If you don't have your Bible, you have your iPad there at home, you can look there on your iPad. If you don't have that and you have a smartphone, you can check us out there, Acts chapter 17. You can follow along there. And uh, I was thinking about a title for the message. I know this mess this morning I preached on Are You Are You Going to Heaven? and uh, or Who's Going to Heaven? And um, and then tonight I uh, want to follow up a message I did last Sunday night. I want to talk about one man, one man. I was studying last Sunday night, uh, well, excuse me, for last Sunday night's message, and, and as I was studying, I looked across the page, and I read further into the text last week, because um, if you were here or you listened, you know I did Acts 17 last Sunday night, and so tonight I was looking across the page, and, or last week I was looking across the page, and one verse stuck out at me, and I want to challenge us tonight, if I can, a little bit. And uh, in verses 1 through 9, we see the starting of the church at Thessalonica. The Apostle Paul and the missionary team went into the city of Thessalonica. He preached the gospel. He went to the synagogue as his, as, as his method was. First place he went, why? It was to, to share the gospel with them. And as you know, persecution rose, and Paul had to leave town. And then verse 10 is where we're going to pick up tonight. Uh, Paul ended up in Berea. And uh, the Bible says in verse 10, And the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night unto Berea, who coming thither went into the synagogue of the Jews. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica, and that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the Scriptures daily, whether those things were so. Therefore many of them believed also of the honorable women, which were Greeks, and of men, not a few. In other words, a lot of people came to Christ. A lot of people came believers in Christ. They got saved. Then we look in verse 13. But when the Jews of Thessalonica had knowledge of the, that the word of God was preached to Paul at Berea, they came thither also and stirred up the people. And then immediately the brethren sent away Paul to go as it were as to the sea. But Silas and Timotheus abode there still, or Silas and Timothy stayed there. Look at verse 15. And they that conducted Paul brought him unto Athens, and receiving a commandment unto Silas and to Timotheus, or Timothy, for to come to him with all speed, they departed. Now while Paul waited for them at Athens, Athens, his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. Now notice verse 16 again. Now while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city 
wholly given to idolatry. idolatry. Let's pray tonight, and let's see what the Word of God has for us tonight. Father, we thank you for your goodness. Father, I pray the Holy Spirit of God would work tonight. Father, I pray you'd use me to preach the Word of God. You know the need of my heart. You know the challenge on my heart tonight. Father, I don't know if I'm preaching this more for the people or for myself, but Father, I pray the Spirit of God would just do a work here. Father, open the windows of heaven, pour out your Spirit tonight. Thank you for your goodness, and Father, just help us to be faithful to you. And now, Father, I pray you'd use this message to bring honor and glory to you. I pray your will be done. And Father, if there's something I don't need to say, help me not to say it tonight, but help me say the right things in the right spirit, for we ask in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, as you see in verse 16, what we have here is that Paul is waiting for Silas and Timothy. He's waiting. Now, while he is waiting for Silas and Timothy, there are two things that take place. Number one, he saw the idolatry of the city of Athens. He saw the idolatry of that city. And what are we talking about when he said, when it says he saw the idolatry of the city of Athens? He saw their worship of idols and false gods, and he saw the practices that went along with that. See, he saw all the statues, he saw all the idols, he saw all the temples, things like that, and he saw all the practice that went around those things, all the practice that went with it. You will notice there what it says in the text. It says the city was wholly given to idolatry. Holy given to idolatry. The idea of that little phrase, holy given to idolatry, has the idea of utterly idolatrous. In other words, it was full of idols. Now, I've got to tell you, that is an accurate picture of the city of Athens. If you go back and study the city of Athens, you will find that Athens was a city that was known for its idols, its statues, and things like that. You will find that. In fact, some say that Athens had more images or statues than all of Greece put together. That's what they say. Pliny said this. He said there were over 30,000 statues, excuse me, over 30,000 public statues in the city of Athens, not counting the private ones in the homes. Now think about that. 30,000. That's a lot of idols. Idols and and those false gods were everywhere. And in fact, some people said in that day and age that it was easier to find a god than it was a person in the city of Athens. That is an amazing statement, is it not? Yes, it is. So what was Paul seeing? He was seeing a city that was totally given over to idolatry. He saw it on every hand. You know, I cannot imagine that, uh, that kind of idolatry. I can't. But so that's the first thing we see here. Paul saw the idolatry of the city. The second thing we see here is that Paul was stirred. Paul was stirred about the idolatry. He was stirred about the idolatry. Some people say the word stirred there could be translated provoked. Well, the idea of the word stirred means to sharpen, to stimulate, to irritate. In other words, what you saw here is it challenged Paul's spirit. Did you catch that? It challenged Paul's spirit. In other words, Paul was stirred up by what he saw. He was stirred up by the idolatry. In other words, it got to him. It got to him. It provoked him. It agitated him. It really affected him. How many of us have ever seen something that really affects us and agitates us and stirs us up? Huh? How many of us have ever been in that spot where we've run into that, we see something and it just really gets to us? Well, that's what happened to Paul. But on this scale, it was the idolatry that stirred Paul up. It was the idolatry that stirred him up. You know, and I got to thinking about that. I got to, I got to really looking at that if I could. And, and let me just share this. I wonder, are you and I moved by what we see going on in our world today? Huh? 
are we moved by what we see going on in our world? You know, and I could sit here tonight and, and list some things. And, and in fact, I did, just so you know. I got some things I will list, you know. And if you're wondering, I just, I, I'll throw it out. And mine may be a little bit different than you, what you're looking at. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm wondering, you know, are we stirred by the rise of false religion in the cults today? Are we stirred by that? Does that bother us any? Where we see the false religious systems, the false prophets, you know, and we all can sit here and joke tonight about the guys on TV and say, give me $10 million and I'll pray for you, right? We can all joke about that. But does that stir us? Does that bother us? Or do we just kind of joke it off and laugh about it a little bit, huh? Do we do that? I mean, what about, are we stirred by the, and excuse me for this, and let me just hit the church or churches today, are we stirred by the weakness or the powerlessness of churches in Christianity today? Are we stirred about that? Let's be honest. I got to tell you my thought on it. Modern day Christianity is kind of anemic, is it not? Yes, it is. It's kind of weak. It's kind of powerless, you know? Uh, I put down another thing. Are we stirred about what we're seeing in, going on in modern society, the degrading of modern society? Are we stirred about that? Are we stirred about the rise of immorality and wickedness? Are we stirred about that? The rise of sin, the rise of, of wickedness in our, in our cities that are unchecked. Are we stirred by all these things we see going on today? The rejection of God, the rejection of the Bible, the rejection of Jesus Christ. Are we stirred about that in our day and age? And we could go on down the line talking about things. I mean, are we stirred by what we're seeing in our world and in our society today? Now, what I want you to see here is this. Here's the point I want to take away from this. Because we can sit here and talk about all the different things that stir us. But, you know, to me, you can sit here and talk about it. But if you don't come up with a game plan for it, there's something wrong. You know, you can sit here and talk about it all day long. You know, what I want you to see tonight is this. Paul was just not stirred. He was just not stirred. He was, and here's the idea. He was provoked to action. Did you catch that? He was provoked to action. In other words, he just didn't sit down and get frustrated about it. He just didn't sit down and complain about it. He was provoked to action. Folks, I'm going to tell you tonight, it is easy to sit at home and complain. It is easy to sit around and just gripe about things. It is easy to get on the telephone and gossip about it and tell everybody about how bad it is. It is easy to look at what we see going on today when it comes to religion and and God and things like that and all the rise of things, you know, it is easy to sit here and say, oh man, that's bad, you know? It's easy to sit back and say that. It's easy to, you know, when I drive around town, you know, I'm a preacher, you know, and, and one of the things I do is, is I notice church buildings. Do y'all, I, I don't know if anybody else does, but I notice church buildings. New church building goes up, guess who notices it? I do, you know? A new uh, quote-unquote cult building goes up, guess who notices it? I do, you know? And I've seen some cult things go up and some false religious things go up, and I'm like, wow, wow, it, it amazes me. Now, it's easy just to sit back and say, wow, it's easy to get frustrated, it's easy to complain about things, it's easy to say that's a shame, and, and as I said, it's easy to do that. But can I tell you something? That's not going to change anything. That's not going to change anything. I mean, we can gripe about things, but it's not going to change anything. I mean, we can complain, but folks, that is not going to help at all. It will not help matters at all. You can sit here and complain all day long. The only thing you're going to do is be out of the will of God and, and sinning against God. You know, complaining about things isn't going to help. 
You know what Paul did? He did something about it. Look what he did. Now that's in verses 17 and following. Look down in verse 17 and notice what Paul did. So in verse 16, I want you to see that Paul saw what was going on, but then in verse 17, he got, I mean, in verse 16, he not only did he see it, he got stirred up about it, but notice what he did. He did something about it. Look at verse 17. Therefore disputed he in the synagogue with the Jews and the devout persons in the market daily with them that met him. You know, you know what he did? You know, he went down to the synagogue. Now, if you study Paul in the book of Acts, you will note that whenever he goes into a new town, where's the first place he went? Synagogue. Why? His goal is to take the gospel to the Jew first and then to the Greek. Romans 1.16, he said, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also the Greek. Whenever Paul went into town, first place he did was take the gospel of the Jews. So he'd go to the synagogue, and he'd tell people in the synagogue about Jesus. So he goes to the synagogue. Then he goes to the marketplace. You'll see that there in verse 17. So he goes to the marketplace, and anybody that would talk to him, he would talk to. That's what he would do. Look at verse 18. Then certain philosophers of the Epicureans and the Stoics encountered him, and some said, what will this babbler say? And by the way, that little phrase, what will this babbler say? Um, you know, this is, this is one of those phrases that's the idea of a seed picker. In other words, he just picked this stuff up here and there, and he's just running off, you know? This is not a very good thing they're saying here, you know, talking about a babbler. Other some, notice the rest of the verse, other some he seemed to be a setter forth of strange gods because he preached unto them Jesus and the resurrection. Look at verse 8, 19. Did, by the way, do you see what he told, talked to him about? He talked to him about Jesus and the resurrection. What's the gospel? The good news of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. How Jesus Christ died for sinners, how he was buried, and how he rose again the third day, right? That's the gospel right there, right there. Notice, again, verse 19, And they took him and brought him unto the Areopagus, saying, May we know what this new doctrine whereof thou speakest is. For thou bringest certain strange things to our ears. We would know, therefore, what these things mean. Look at verse 21. For the Athenians and strangers which were there spent their time in nothing else, but to tell or to hear some new thing. Then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, Ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things ye are too superstitious. For I passed by and beheld your devotions. I found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God, whom therefore ye ignorantly worship. Him declare I unto you. Now, did you see what Paul was doing there? He didn't sit home and complain. He did two things. Number one, he purposed to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. In other words, he did something about it. He did something about it. Again, you can sit back and complain all day long, but you need to do something about it. And what Paul did is he purposed to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. That was the purpose of his life. That was the call on his life. He was to go out and tell the gospel, share the gospel with people. Again, he went to the synagogue, then he went to the market. So he purposed to go out where people were and tell them about Jesus. Then the second thing he did, not only did he purpose to share the gospel, number two, he took advantage of the doors that were open for him. He took advantage of the doors that were open to tell people about Jesus, to share the gospel. You notice here where it says he went down to Mars Hill and he, and, and he said he saw that idol, that uh, monument there to the unknown God. What, the, what in Athens, what it was, was that they were so afraid of offending any God. So what they did is they set up an idol just to the unknown God so that they could say, if somebody comes along and says, hey, you forgot my God, you don't have an idol here for my God or a statue for my God, they could point over there and say, well, we've got the unknown God. That's who we're referring to, the one we don't know about, you know? But you know what Paul did? He took that 
and he took advantage of it when they opened the door for him to talk to him about Jesus. He said, let me tell you who that unknown God is. And that's what he did in the rest of the chapter. He told them about the unknown God. He told them about Jesus Christ. And that's what he did there. He purposed to share the gospel. Then he took advantage of the open doors that the Lord had given him. And let me just say this. Do you notice what Paul did here? He saw all the idolatry. Now, he could have got upset and he said, well, I'm going to go over. And man, you know, Paul could have led a revolution. But you know what he did? He didn't lead a revolution. He shared Jesus. And that's what Christians need to be doing. He shared Jesus. He shared the gospel. Hey, can I tell you what the hope for false religions is, for the cults is? The hope is the gospel of Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ. That's what the hope is. Do you know what the hope for anemic Christianity is? We need to get back to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Start sharing the gospel, telling people about Jesus. You know what the hope for the wickedness of the world is? You know what the hope for the sinfulness of the world is, the lawlessness of the world, the all the ungodliness? You know what the hope is? It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's it, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Folks, we need to get the word to the people. That's what we need to do. We need to get the word to people today. Uh, you know, I, I, I've said this for you. you. You want to change the heart of people? You want to change your heart? The Bible says in Jeremy, Jeremiah 17 and verse 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Correct? Yes. You want to change the heart? It's not going to be done by legislation. You know, it's not going to be, you know how it's going to be done? By getting the gospel to people and getting them saved. That's what will change people. That's what will change people. You say, how do you know that, brother Scott? Look at the apostle Paul himself. Look at his life before Jesus Christ. He was known as Saul of Tarsus. He was the enemy of Christianity. He says in 1 Timothy chapter 1 that he was a blasphemer, a persecutor, and he was injurious. You know what he did? He blasphemed the name of Christ. He arrested Christians. He forced them to blaspheme. He, he, gave, his, he, gave, uh, the, he gave okay to put them to death there. He was the one that was in charge of Stephen stoning there in the Bible, in the book of Acts. He was the one there. But you know what happened? Paul met Jesus on the Damascus Road. Paul got saved, and it changed his life. That's what we need to see today. That's what's going to change people today is the gospel of Jesus Christ. See, when Paul got saved, it made a drastic difference in his life. And can I say something? Hang on. It made a drastic difference in the world around him. It made a difference in the world around him. You say, how do you know that? Well, let me get you to do something. If you got your Bible handy or your iPad or whatever you have, go back to Acts chapter 9 and look at one verse with me. Acts chapter 9. Now, Acts chapter 9 has the conversion of Saul. The conversion of Saul. We see him getting saved there in Acts chapter 9. You see him coming to Christ, meeting Jesus on the Damascus Road. But there's another verse there that I think we need to take note of that I think would be very good to take note of, and that's Acts chapter 9 and verse 31. What happened after he got saved? What happened after he got saved? Notice how it affected the world around him. Notice this. Verse 31. Then had the churches rest throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria, and were edified, walking in the fear of the Lord, and in the comfort of the Holy Ghost were multiplied. Did you catch that? When he got saved, the churches had rest. The churches walked in the fear of the Lord. They were comforted by the Holy Ghost, and more people got saved as a result of one man. Think about that. One man getting saved. One man coming to Jesus Christ made the difference in that world at that time. Made a difference. Folks, Paul himself is an example of what I'm talking about. You know, I uh, several years ago, we had a family invited somebody to church. 
and they invited this lady to church and come to find out when this lady came, I didn't know it at the time, but met her and chit-chatted for a little bit and come to find out she was the, a member of a prominent cult. Can you believe that? Member of a prominent cult. Anyhow, she and I got to talk a little bit after a while and you know what happened to that young lady? She ended up getting saved. She ended up getting saved. Heard the gospel, ended up getting saved. Folks, that's what it's going to take. People sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, telling people about the Lord. Had a lady in our church years ago that, that uh, she, uh, she started witnessing to a guy. She started talking to him about the Lord. And the next thing you know, one day the guy calls me on the phone, said, I've been talking to this lady. He says, I want to get saved. You know what happened? I ended up uh, leading that guy to Christ, ended up baptizing him. He ended up becoming a faithful part of our church. And come to find out, he had been living in a wicked lifestyle. And after he got saved, he said, Preacher, I know I got my life has got to change. And you know what? God did change his life. God did change his life. You want to see God do that over and over again? Then you know what? We need Christians today that are going to be witnesses for Christ. You know, how can we see these kind of things happen in our day and age? How can we, as one person, now here's where I'm going. Now, I know I've already mentioned Paul being one man. But I want to talk to you now, to you and me. How can you and I make a difference in this world? How can you and I make a difference today with all the things we see going on? Well, I want to give you five quick things, and I'm going to be done. Five quick things. And these are things that are, were on my heart from last Sunday night, and I want to share them with you. Number one, pray. I know some of you are going to say, oh, Brother Scott, you always mention pray. Well, you know why? We need to pray. Why? Prayer equals power. Prayer changes things. Prayer is a, you know, somebody said years ago, prayer is the greatest weapon ever put in the Christian's hand, but the least ever used. Boy, what a statement there. What a statement. Folks, we need to pray. When we face opposition and hard times, you know what we need to do? We need to pray. When there is no peace in our life, we need to pray. Philippians 4, 6, and 7, it says, when we pray, God will give us His peace that passes all understanding. And when hard times come and opposition comes, we need to pray so that we can have the power of God like they did in Acts chapter 4. Folks, we need to pray when that opposition comes. Then we need to pray for wisdom. You know, the Bible says, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God who giveth to all men liberally. Ask God for wisdom so we know how to deal with things and handle things in life. And then pray for the power of God. You know, we need to be filled with the Spirit of God. Ephesians 5.18 says, and be, uh, be not drunk with wine where it's in excess, but be filled with the Spirit. And we need that Spirit filling so that we can have the power of God. We need that. So my friends, what can you and I do? We can pray. If we can't do anything else, we can pray. Look at the past, all the great revivals of yesteryear. One of the keys of those revivals was what? Prayer. You go back and study those revivals. Prayer was a key. You look at the Welsh revival. Six months before the revival hit, young people were on the side of a hill praying for revival. You look at that. Evan Roberts, one of the keys, was woke up in the middle of the night over and over again. And what did he do? He prayed for revival for, for a long period of time. You look at the New York, New York revival that struck New York City in the 1800s, and it was a New York prayer revival. The same that hit Atlanta in the early 1900s. It was a prayer revival. And you could go and you can see that prayer was key. Folks, don't minimize prayer. Please do not minimize prayer. Folks, we need to get back to where we are people of prayer. So number one, we need to pray. Number two, we need to be strong. We need to be strong. Now you say, what do you mean? We need to be strong, just kind of buck up on things? Well, yeah, we need to do that, but I'm not talking about that kind of being strong. You say, what do you mean? 
Ephesians 6.10 says, be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord. Folks, we are in a spiritual battle. What we got going on today in our world, you know, everybody's talking about all the different crazy things going on. Folks, we are in a spiritual battle. Therefore, it takes spiritual strength. The Bible says in Ephesians 6.12, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, the rulers of darkness of this present world. You know, several years ago, I saw a guy get saved that, that was a big guy. He was muscular, you know? And, and Brother Wes, I'm going to tell you, that guy on any given day could probably whoop me up one side and down the other. But when it came to spiritual strength, he didn't have any. Didn't have any. And folks, we don't need physical strength today. You know what we need? We need spiritual strength today. We need people of God that are strong in the Lord. Strong in the Lord. We need spiritual strength. We don't need to be like the, the, the church at Corinth where they were still babes in Christ, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Folks, we need to be growing in our faith. We need to pray and we need to get into the Bible and read it regularly and study it. Find out what it says and then be part of our church family. Those are the three avenues of growth. Prayer, the Bible, and church. Three avenues of growth in the Bible. We need that. And we need to be strong in the Lord. Strong in the Lord. You know, as I thought about this, I thought about 1 John. And 1 John, a great book of the Bible. You know, the gospel of John is written as a gospel of belief so that people would believe on Christ and have eternal life. 1 John is so people could have assurance of salvation. But in chapter 2 there, he talks about three different levels of spiritual maturity. And he talks about the children and the fathers and the young men. And you know what you and I need today? We need some young men. You say, wait a minute, Brother Scott, I'm a lady. Well, hang on. You need to be a lady of God like these young men. You say, what do you mean? Listen to 1 John 2, 13. He said, I write unto you fathers because you have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you, listen to this, young men because you have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you little children because you have known the father. Think about that. You have the, the older ones, the middle, and the young ones. And don't you have that in Christianity today? You have those that are newly saved, those that have been saved a while, and they're more mature in their faith, and you have those that are really strong in the faith. And that's what we need today. Because in verse 14, listen to what he says. I have written unto you fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you young men, because ye are strong. Catch that. Strong, and the word of God abideth in you, and ye have overcome the wicked one. Did you catch that? And that's what we need today. We need strong believers today. We need strong believers in our world. And how's that going to come? That's going to come by getting into the Word of God, spending time in prayer. And then when we're able to be with our church families, right? Yes, we need that strength today, growing in the Lord. So number one, we need to pray. Number two, we need to be strong. Number three, number three, are you ready? We need to witness. We need to witness. We need to share Christ. Acts 1.8, but ye shall receive power after that Holy Ghost has come upon you, ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and in the uttermost parts of the earth. You know what he's talking about? I, I told my wife, we were driving over here tonight, and I said, did you see that uh, they, they flipped a house over here near the church? And, and over there they had a, a, it looks like on the retaining wall in the driveway, they painted, uh, I don't want to say a mural, but they painted a black and white thing of the city of Nashville. You know, you can see the, anyhow, outline of a city on it right there. And you know what I thought? I thought, man, that's kind of cool. I, I kind of thought that was kind of cool. But you know what I thought? I wondered if I owned it, would I put a sign above the city of Nashville that said, my Jerusalem? You say, what is that? Because the gospel needs to start where we live. 
And that's where the gospel goes out, Jerusalem. Then you take it to other areas. Then you take it to other areas. Then you take it to other areas. In other words, we need to get the gospel to our community right here. Tell people about Jesus right here, right where we're at, our influence areas. You know, we need to reach our family. We need to reach our friends. We need to reach our associates. We need to reach those in our circle of influence, our sphere of influence. You know what Paul did? You know what he did when he saw the city holy given to idolatry? First thing he did, he started his witnessing. He went down to the synagogue, told them about Jesus. Then he went down to the marketplace and told everybody about Jesus. Folks, that's what we ought to do. You know, we, we ought to tell people about Jesus. You say, well, Brother Scott, you don't understand. I'm stuck at home. I don't get out because of the virus and things like that. Well, you're not going to thinking about that. You know what you can do? You have the internet. You know, one of the things I noticed is I encouraged some people the other night to do watch parties uh, on Facebook. And I, I got some reports back on some people that did watch parties. And one person that did a watch party had 23 viewers. I got news for you. That is great, is it not? Had somebody else, I think they said they had 13 this morning, you know? And you start thinking about that. That's a way you and I can share the gospel. Who is going to go to heaven? You know, there's a clear presentation of the gospel there, you know, through the internet. What about phone? Pick up the phone and call people, chat with them check on people, you know, and then talk to them about Jesus and talk to them about their soul. What about letters? You know, it used to be a big thing years ago. People write letters to each other. I know people today, they'd rather send email and stuff like that. But, you know, but what about notes and include gospel tracts or things of that nature? And, you know, there's ways we can, we can reach people, you know. Right now, I'm trying through either phone or email or, or uh, text or some way. I'm trying to contact so many people every week, you know. And yes, it's hard to try to witness to people, but we need to do it. You know, we need to try to tell people about Jesus Christ. That's what we need to do. Tell people about Jesus. Tell him about, tell people about Jesus. So we need to witness. We need to be a witness for Christ. Number four, the fourth thing. Four. So number one, we need to pray. Number two, we need to be strong. Number three, we need to witness. Number four, are you ready? We need to live righteously. We need to live righteously. You know, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 15 and 16. He says, be ye therefore holy as I am holy. You know, God is a holy God. And you and I need to live holy lives because God is holy. You know, 1 John chapter 1 and verse 5 tells us that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. God is totally righteous. He's pure. He's holy. There's no hint of sin in Him. Then He comes down and says, if we're living in sin and claim we have fellowship with God, we're lying. We're deceiving ourselves. Because you cannot live in sin and have fellowship with God. You know, the Bible tells us that. Folks, you and I need to understand that we need to live a holy life because, number one, the Bible tells us to. But there's another reason we need to live a holy life, and that is this, because our testimony in front of lost people. We can sit here all day long and tell people they need to be saved, but then if we're living like the devil, guess what? It just destroys our witness. It destroys our witness. Folks, our testimony in front of others. You know, my brother would not get saved for a while because of the testimony of somebody that I knew. My brother refused to get saved. And he would tell me, Scotty, and that's what he used to call me. He'd say, Scotty, he didn't call me Brother Scotty, he didn't call me Pastor Scott or anything like that. It was Scotty, you know. And I know I just made a mistake. There's a lot of people now going to just jokingly call me Scotty, but uh, that's all right. Call me whatever you want. And so, but he would say, Scotty, I just look at your job as something else. He said, I work with somebody. Why should I get saved? 
and I knew this guy. Folks, our testimony before others, our testimony before others, we need to tell others about Jesus and we need to live like Jesus in front of others. The way we talk, the way we treat people, the way we act. I mean, think about it. You know, uh, one of these nights I'm going to preach on four timeless truths. One of these days. I'm working on the message right now out of the book of Deuteronomy. And one is about loving others. You know, and it's how you and I treat and live in front of others. And then number five. Number five. So number one, pray. Number two, be strong. Number three, witness. Number four, live righteously so our testimony is right. And then I'm going to say this one tonight and may get in trouble on it. I'm going to say give. Now you say, what do you mean? I mean, we need to give to get the gospel out. Now, why do I say that? Why do I say that? I don't have it in the text. But you know what? Paul spent his time and went out and worked so that he could travel around and get the gospel out. His living was spent on getting the gospel out. Every dime he made was so he could travel around and get the gospel out. He worked as a tent maker on the side. And it was so he could get the gospel out. He gave his time. He gave his treasure. He gave it all. You know, but I got to thinking about this. And in our world today, people give to all kinds of causes, do they not? People raise money for all kinds of causes. Some of them are good. You know, we adopted one this last Christmas here at our church, and I, I want to do it again this year, St. Jude's, you know? I love, I love that, St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital. You know, we did that at our Christmas offering this last year. Every time I went to St. Jude's, you know? Not to us, not to any of our projects, but something like that. You know, those are some positive things. But you know, there's some people out there that raise money and give to wicked things, ungodly things, horrendous things. I mean, I'm talking things that are abominable. Some give to wicked things. Folks, shouldn't Christians be given to things that promote the gospel of Jesus Christ? Huh? Shouldn't we be given to causes that get the gospel out? Shouldn't we be doing that? Yes, we ought to be doing that. Can I tell you something that bothers me? Now, most of you that know me, if you do not, let me just tell you. I don't preach a lot on, on giving. Do I, Brother Wes? Do I say a lot about it? No, I don't. Anybody that knows me knows I don't. I don't sell prayer cloths. I don't sell garbage, you know, like that. Um, the C we don't sell the CDs. We give them away. You know, we do that. We, we give them away. Uh, you know, we don't, we don't do any of that. You know, I don't have a catastrophe where we say, hey, you know, we're having a shortfall. You know what my thought is here? If the offerings don't come in, we cut our expenses back. You know, when we shut down church, we looked at our expenses. You know, I was kind of like, okay, we're not going to be able to take offerings every week. So let's just look at our expenses. Where can we cut? Thank God offerings have come in, but we have cut expenses some. Just, uh, you know, it gave us a chance to look at things. You know, it gave us a chance, so we do it. But I'm not going to get up and say, oh, you know, we got a catastrophe. Are there some things we want to do? Yeah, we're in the process of doing some things right now. And, you know, finances are going to take. We just, uh, uh, some of you know, we just, we're doing something in our building right now. We are moving forward on some stuff and we want to do some other things. And, you know, we got one of our mini buses up. We got the mini bus up for sale and, 
and hopefully, you know, we'll present some stuff, you know, and some more, but, you know, but something that bothers me, and I, and I, and again, I don't beg. I'm not going to, I'm not going to have it on my tombstone that the beggar died. I'm not going to have it out there. You know, if we have a need, I'll tell you. That's the way I look at it. But what bothers me, if a preacher does say something about giving, he'll get shredded for it. That bothers me. People will criticize a preacher when he talks about giving. They'll say, oh, all that preacher wants is money. All I got to say is that there are ungodly people in the world giving to ungodly causes, and Christians are stingy guts. Not all Christians. There are some people that do the right thing. But you know what? If Jesus could give his life for us, giving a little bit won't hurt a thing. And by the way, I, I'm not going to beg you to give out of a hard heart. I'm not, I don't know. You say why. Because the Bible says in Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 7, says, every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly. I don't want people to give grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver, and that's a hilarious giver. I want people to give because they want to give, because they want to give to God and give to God's work and get the gospel out, you know? That's what we want to do. Luke 6, 38, you know, has that promise, given it shall be given unto you. People don't understand the, the blessing of giving, giving and receiving. God gives, and then, you know, you give, and then God will give you more. And, you know, it's part of Scripture. You know, my wife and I, we tithe, you know. I believe in tithing. But, uh, but I believe we need to give to get the gospel out. You know, and thank God, and I'll just be honest with you, for those of you that have been giving during this time, let me just say God bless you and thank you. Because believe it or not, I believe I can say this. I, I haven't seen the report yet, but I believe our missions giving has gone up, hasn't it? Somewhat? Yeah. Who would have dreamed that our giving to missions has gone up in a pandemic time where we not even having, where we didn't have public services for two months? Glory to God, right? You know, woo, glory. You know, thank you, thank you for those that have been doing it. And by the way, you never know what could happen when you witness and pass tracks out. You say, what do you mean by that? One day I came by the church and I'm shocked that Brother West didn't catch this being the treasurer and you know executive pastor, but I, I, you know, I'm shocked he didn't catch this, but I walked in the building one day and I went to the back and I noticed in the back door back here, if you've been in our building, you know, we've got the double back doors there. And I looked in the door there and I'm thinking, what in the world? And there's an envelope slid in the door, slid in the door. And I thought, what in the world? It was just an envelope, a plain, you know, number 10 envelope slid in the door. So I thought, okay, somebody's left us a note or something. So I opened it up. There's a gospel track in there with some money. One of our tracks, one of our God loves you tracks. You know, the little sit on the desk, smiley face, God loves you. Somebody, I guess somebody had given a track out and somebody came by the building, stuck the track in an envelope, stuck some money in, shoved it in the door. You know what I did? I took it down and locked it up. And, uh, you know, you got one of the God loves you right there. I'll show it to everybody on Facebook, you know, that can't see it. 
And uh, we've got these little God loves you tracks. Smile, God loves you. And here's, they, they, well, they sit like this. And then smile, God loves you. And on the inside, it has the gospel in living color. You know, then on the back a little bit, if you want to know more about Jesus. You know, God loves you. Folks, I want you to think about Paul again. He got stirred up by what he saw, did he not? He got stirred up. Did he make a difference? Well, we're told there at the end of the chapter that some people got saved. I don't know if it made a big difference in the city of Athens, but it made a difference in their lives, did it not? And did it make a difference in our world, Paul giving himself to Christ to get the gospel out? Yes. You say, how do you know? Because you and I got saved, didn't we? Because if it wouldn't have been Paul obeying the call of Christ, the gospel had never went to Europe, it had never come to America, and you and I could have never been saved. One man made a difference. Will you and I make a difference today? Paul got stirred up. Let's just not sit home and complain. Let's do something about it. And the thing we can do to make a difference is win somebody to Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for tonight. Challenge our hearts. And Father, I just pray that you meet our needs. Father, thank you for the way you've blessed us. And Father, just open the windows of heaven and pour out your spirit. And Father, help us to be witnesses for you and tell others about Jesus. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, that is a real a real challenge for us today. I know, as I'm sure you know, our world is in shambles. How can we make a difference? How can we change things? First of all, it needs to start in our hearts. As he said, we need to stir ourselves up for the things of the Lord. Share that love of the gospel and that love of God with someone. Even if you only make a difference in that one person's life, it's worth it because you helped lead someone to the Lord and His gift of salvation. Salvation through His Son, Jesus Christ. How are we living? Does it show the love of God and will it make a difference? Yes. Are we showing that there is indeed something different about our relationship with God? If you've been listening today and you need Jesus in your life and you feel that conviction, I pray that the Lord will truly work in your heart today that you may accept the gift of God, which He gave us freely through the death of His Son, Jesus, on the cross. To learn more, go to our website and check out the resource God's Bridge. Again, that's WhitleyMemorial.com and click God's Bridge at the top of the screen. It's a very short, comprehensive site that gives you exactly what you need to know on becoming a Christian. It's the meat and potatoes, if you will. And if you decide to follow Christ and have accepted Him as your Savior, please reach out to us and send us a message. Just Like I said, go to the website, click the Contact Us tab. First of all, we would love to celebrate with you. It's truly a joyful day. And also, we would like to pray for you as you have taken a truly amazing step in your walk with God. Let me just take a moment and let you know about some information on how you can follow us and get to know us a little better if you want. We are blessed to be able to have this ministry and bring you our full service podcast. If you would like to see us live, I encourage you to check out our Facebook page by going to facebook.com forward slash WMBC615 and hit that follow button. While you're there, you can watch all of our old sermons, send us a message, and say hello, which we love to hear from our listeners, by the way. You will also get notifications on any time we post content or go live, which we do for every single sermon. You can also listen live on podbean.com. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N.com. Just search for the WMBC 615 podcast and subscribe. 
Just like Facebook, anytime we go live, you'll know about it, and you can join in from your phone by way of the Podbean app. You can catch up on all of the podcast episodes on any major podcast platform, such as CastBox, Breaker, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. If you would like to support our ministry, you can do so by going to our website and clicking on the Give button at the top and bottom of the page. There is no minimum amount, and we are thankful for every single dollar, as all donations only go to furthering our ministry and outreach opportunities here at Whitley. Until next time, my name is Daniel, and on behalf of Pastor Scott and our entire church family, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Thank you for listening. This has been a broadcast from Whitley Memorial Baptist Church.